Hello, and welcome back to Sutroside Watch, episode 29. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me hosting is... I am Brandon from Apollo City Comics. It is the month of May, and we are back with January. We have returned. Yeah. <laughs> we were on a, a, a little hiatus there for the first half of the year, but we are now back and uh someone was doing a big old move so we are no longer uh you know we we if you guys listen to our other stuff we have texas brandon and california brandon or san francisco brandon and now it's pretty much uh virginia's own brandon now yes yeah i've traveled across literally drove across the country like i went i traveled across america uh the spring which was pretty interesting um and i'm in virginia now yeah pretty crazy life's been insane lately but um i'm here it's beautiful it's just stunning like this concept of like green like and rain I was, there's like water i was telling talking to you about that where if you guys remember force awakens when ray leaves jakku and goes to like that planet the first time she's like there's so much green it was like this is how this guy's going through right now that is literally me right now. And it's so sad because I didn't really like that line when I saw it. But then like experiencing that, I'm just like, oh, wow, that's that's so much true. You were Ray like, this whole time. You were Ray Ray I... Binks. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? It makes me hate like the book of Boba Fett and I'm disappointed in Obi-Wan and all this stuff because I'm just sick of seeing Tatooine fucking over it. Like I'm sick of seeing sand. I am Anakin now. I hate you. Just Sand. you're just reminded of it. It's more of a personal <laughs> level for you. It's not even like the the just the production of like oh the Star Wars lore of Tatooine where I'm like yo we actually never really like delved into the surface and we see like the Tusken Raiders. I'm like wow it's so interesting. You're just like it reminds me of home. Fuck yeah yeah <laughs> literally like it looks like a back everyone's backyard in El Paso. But yeah I mean dude it's been crazy. We have a lot to catch up on. We have a lot to read to to talk about to watch um we're we did part one of our spike lee month with uh, more better blues dope dope movie i can't wait to re-watch that movie actually it's so good um and this one like actually took a lot of research too and i wish i could have done even more research like this is a movie we should have planned in like a year so maybe one one day we'll come back and do a follow-up touch-up with more historical stuff behind this um but today Wrapping up our Spike Lee month of January slash May. Um, <laughs> Which I, we're I will doing... say there, there's a significance to this month of, ironically enough, too. Well, I'll talk about it later near the end, probably. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. We're doing Malcolm X by Spike Lee. Yeah. Um, and this was, I think you chose this one, right? Uh, I think I did. Well, you wanted to do Spike Lee. And we were trying to go through to determine which ones we wanted to do. And I think Malcolm X, just because it was like, I had already watched it once in, I want to say high school. We went through mm -hmm. it for history. And uh, I just remember it being a very important movie. And especially the fact that I thought it was kind of serendipitous when you chose Mobetta Blues, it had Denzel Washington uh, starring. And this one also was starring Denzel Washington. So it kind of, it kind of went together in that sense. That's right. Uh, where we're yeah. kind of doing almost like a double not just director, but actor double feature, uh, in which I think we're doing also again, ironically enough, in September, where we chose like, <laughs> we were trying to do rom-coms and somehow it became like a Rob Reiner month on like, a, yeah. not on purpose. So it's kind of funny that these things are happening this year. But yeah, this was uh, written and directed by Spike Lee, uh, AKA a Spike Lee joint. 
And yeah. I was actually looking through his filmography and I don't know if his first film counts as his first film because it's like an hour long, but this would make this film his seventh uh, through his filmography. Wow. And I don't know if we talked about before, but Mo Better Blues was his fifth. So, you know, normally mm -hmm. we, we go through a director and a lot of the times we're kind of choosing their first film because that's, like I said, always the interesting thing about that is it's the film where they have everything to prove, the, probably the smallest budget they'll ever have. So you're seeing the most quality of just creative thinking in it potentially where it's like this is their make or break this is like are you am i are you gonna sink or swim mm -hmm. um but yeah for spike lee you know the, these other films had more significance uh and we honestly don't know i don't think i don't know if you do but i, I have no i have no knowledge of like the the film's prior to mobetta blues either um i don't know much about it. i've seen them for sure uh i've seen she's gotta have it um i've seen do the right thing i haven't seen school days um, it's, that's the only one I have it, but she's got to have it is a very indie film. Like it's very kind of art schooly in oh, a sense man. too. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. It's, it's different. You could tell it's a Spike Lee movie and you could tell like how these characters kind of like come to life in other films and have like evolved and his writing evolved. Cause when you watch do the right thing, it kind of has a similar essence, um, totally different themes, totally different everything, but like the essence of like how he directs. It was already there, you know. It started showing, and she got, uh, she's got to have it. And then more better blues. I felt like it evolved a little bit more. And then when you watch, I haven't seen Jungle Fever, but Malcolm X. You know, one thing that caught my eye was I was like, this is a film made for a theater because the way the cuts were and how many scenes you would or how many transitions there were between like individual scenes. There were so many, like especially in the first like hour. Dude, I wish I would have counted it. There was like like 40, 50 scenes going on in there. There was just cut after cut after cut. And there's like flash sequences. There's flashbacks. There's like it jumps around in a very, you know, easy to understand manner, like almost documentary style, yeah. which he did study documentaries. Um, but like you kind of see it like everything he was building up for the last like whatever, five films, six films kind of was just like here in your face, like box office like a documentary style of malcolm x and it was told in such a historical aspect in a documentary sense but it was also told like a film so and nothing was really exaggerated nothing was really overdone about like malcolm's history or you know who he was as a person but um it did feel theatrical and not just like a documentary you'd watch like on a sunday or something you know what i mean yeah very much like so. it has like it has like that Spike Lee filmmaking style in it. Yeah. He, he just does a lot of uh, his movies just have all these very interesting cuts. Like, I feel like that's one thing when you can note his film, like his film style, it is just like cut, 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 cut. And you're just like, Whoa. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, like the lat, like the only movie I've seen of his, I want to see it in the theaters was black Landsman, and very much like <laughs> all the same shit happens there too as well. Uh, it's like a or even now in the modern day compared to like uh, when all of his previous films like released and whatnot throughout his uh, directing career uh, that is still ongoing. Um, what, what's yeah. interesting about this movie, too, is he wasn't the first choice director. It was actually uh, Norman Jewison. <laughs> I can't also I can't get behind that. The last name kills me uh, just because I'm also <laughs> Jewish. And I'm like, the dude is uh, he directed Fiddler Fiddler on the Roof. 
And oh I'm gosh. just like, okay, which we'll be covering later on this uh, December. But uh, yeah, it was originally planned for him to do it. And then there's a lot of backlash being like, yo, you're going to do this with a white guy and not a black guy? Like, come on. And then that's that was when Spike huge. Lee came in. Yeah. That was a huge thing with the studios. And there was stuff like where Spike was kind of coming in and kind of saying some stuff, being like, guys, like, I'm ready to do this. Like, I can do this movie and everything. And even when it came down to the writing of the film, there was uh, writers prior than him. I want to say there was like three scripts before Spike Lee's uh, script. And he kind of read them all and he kind of tossed them. And just like, you know, maybe use a bit of information from one or two facts or something. But like Spike kind of just took over this project and it became a huge passion project. And notice when you look at his filmography, he did like five or six films in like five or six years. Like every single year was a new movie. Yeah. So you figure he's wrapping up Jungle Fever and already starting um, Malcolm X and having a battle with the studio and everything. Um, which was hell because Warner Brothers just like did not budge on a lot of things. They did not help them in a lot of aspects. Um, but like when it came down to the directing and writing, like that was the biggest controversy when this film started was like, why are you going to get a white guy to do this? Like you have a white guy doing JFK. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. But for Malcolm X, you don't get a white guy to do Malcolm X. You don't get someone like that to tell the story. And when you hear the message of Malcolm and what he was doing for you know the black community and what he was pushing and his angle and like how right he was about so much of it uh why would you get a white guy to distribute that message like it just doesn't add up you know it just doesn't make sense you definitely feel like and, there'd be a, a completely different tone if it was yes yeah yeah exactly um or i think yeah like i think they would tone it down like crazy or even just like change Malcolm's message through his speeches or something like it would distort it or warp it a little bit different to where it wasn't true. Um, but I mean, we got spike on it yeah. and spike really just him and Denzel man. Phenomenal before we get into them though, but, um, the budget too, uh, it, I, I, I kind of know about the budget issues that they were having throughout the entire film. Um, it, it sounds like basically, you know, spike was asking for a $50 million budget. Like, he's like, we need this much Here's money. 20. I've done the math. Yeah, they wouldn't give him a lot of money. And he kept on fighting and fighting and fighting. And he went over the budget. And he was getting uh, part of his money he got from the film. He was putting it right back into yep. the film. And then towards the end where they were out, they were done. <laughs> they were over budget. They were out of money. Spike reached out to other um, other people like Oprah Winfrey and I mean at the time uh, Michael Jordan uh, Bill Cosby like you know Bill was still oh Bill still right at that time um, but he, we just he didn't reached know. out to yeah <laughs> we didn't yeah right know. We just didn't know yeah and he he got all these people from the black community to like help finish this film and he basically was like this is important this is a message he had so much passion and fire be um, behind him like. It just, I'm glad it worked out and I'm glad these people gave, you know, as much as they could. I mean, they probably could have done more, but they gave money to Spike to finish these move to finish this movie. Yeah. And it, it, looking at it too, it said like they originally, like even when he was putting his money into it, they halted production a bit, but the movie was slated to be like two hours, 15 minutes. And you look at it now, it's like an extra hour, 15 that he was able to get through once the budgets improved because they did like, you know, they did the preview screenings and stuff and saw like, audience reaction they're like okay okay this dude's doing a good job we'll just we'll we'll, we'll increase funding and everything else um and you know the movie came out in 1992 
Uh, yeah. I was, what, a year old when this came out? So kind of crazy thinking about that. I was I was like six months old. Yeah. Well, more than a little bit of blues. <laughs> that was way before I was even born. So there you go yeah, there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just crazy looking at just how much of a fight Spike Lee had to put up with just to get this film made the way he wanted it to be made. And the whole thing is like, yeah. it's supposed to be like an autobiography. I can imagine in an alternate universe, if they were like, yo, we're getting Woody Allen to direct the Malcolm X movie. And he's like, oh God, you know, we got all these people. Here. We're just like, mm-hmm. like it, it's crazy to think like something like that. Just uh, imagine someone not like doing this movie. And that for some reason, that was the first thing my mind went to. And I'm like, Oh, that would have been very interesting and potentially comedic yeah. <laughs> and yeah, would not right? have fit the tone at all. But the movie is a fucking journey. Like I, I completely forgot, like when I went on HBO Max and I'm like, okay, Malcolm X is here. And I looked at the time it's going to take to watch it. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> like that was my first reaction. Uh, it's a long movie. And, you know, back way back before we're here now with like, you know, decreasing attention spans and whatnot where it's like 15 seconds or it's too long and you're just like oh my god like movies used to be longer and slower and you can really just appreciate the tone and the backgrounds and everything else going on with it especially like the story you know like you had to explain that's the thing about it he told malcolm's whole story and I think you needed to, and I, you know, that's a big reason why you fought so hard where it had to be X amount of time, because if you would have, you know, cut certain parts, you wouldn't have realized his depth as like a human being, um, and a character in the film. And you wouldn't have real, realized like everything Malcolm had gone through in his life to get to where he was at the very end. Like that ending almost wouldn't have made sense. His ability to not be scared of death at all you know and like why like why if you would have cut his early years out or made that part too short like you know you're an hour and a half into it and he's still not you know the malcolm x that we kind of recognize um today it took him it took pretty much the what two hours and like 15 minutes two and a half hours to get to the malcolm that like you and i are probably most familiar with from like history books and everything like his entire journey up to that point mind-bending like what he went through and you had to say that like you had to showcase that and if you would have cut it too short and not realize his relationship with people and women and all that stuff it just was wouldn't have added up emotionally and this was all you know very much based on alex haley's uh book from 1965 uh the autobiography of malcolm x um and alex haley had collaborated with malcolm x uh, in the beginning of the book, back in 1963, towards his last few years, and he finished it after Malcolm's death. Um, and then, you know, the, the movie does dramatize a lot of parts in that, like you know, his criminal career and incarnation and stuff like that, his conversion. Um, but like, pretty much everything is to the T, apparently, to that book. And I bought that for book. Most, I want to read th- it. There are I, yeah, for the book, I, the movie, you know, takes some. I guess uh, what would you call it? Uh, it takes some freedoms to change some things, but. Yeah, so overall, like they yeah, dramatize some stuff. The autobiography is supposed to be as accurate as possible, but it's also like one of those things where I guess historians argue where it's like, yo, well, he's just telling the truth. He's talking about himself. Who knows how much of that's actually like, you never know how exaggerations can happen. So there's always yeah. like, I guess, like an ongoing, not few, not an ongoing, basically, um, I guess, discourse of like, yo, so what's true and what's not. But 
more or less like this is probably pretty accurate i don't think they lie about all this stuff especially just the way he changes throughout everything and goes from one extreme to another to another and mm-hmm. uh how even like post prison there's still multiple changes that occur yeah um because each time there is a i guess like a fixed point of like just life changing and he has i want to say honestly like probably two or three um or one he's kind of born with and then there's like mm-hmm. two others but uh they definitely happen later on in his life more or less uh and it takes yeah especially you know once once he really finds out what happens um with what's his face gosh they say it's his name so many times his the honorable uh elijah muhammad Muhammad. yeah Yeah. like that's the biggest turn in his life and that just like really got me too i was like whoa that was i forgot about that i was like god damn all right and you know I read the script for it. I also read the book, uh, The Trials and Tribulations of Making Malcolm X. And this talks about like what he went through with the studio, his arguments with the studio. It talk it has the whole screenplay in it too, which is really cool having a screenplay in a book. Um, and then just showing how many drafts they went through. It it's just like super crazy. Like it's well worth it. If you like this film and you want to more know more about this film, I would definitely pick this book up. Um uh, it's called by any mean by any means necessary the trials and tribulations of making Malcolm X, um, and it just it was really cool having a book where you kind of get Spike Lee's journal entries of his frustrations on why they wouldn't give him a bigger budget, but like you know maybe a guy like John Candy or somebody wants to make a comedy and instantly it's forty million you know starting budget. Well, I mean it's, it's John like, oh, Candy man, like you know it's like I got it. I know right. Like, <laughs> but, you know like how, like uh like how much um, let, me, let me look up a random like movie from that time. When did Uncle Buck come out? I can't That's believe it, you're looking why. at Uncle Buck. Yeah, that movie's a that movie's a masterpiece. So don't go don't go against Uncle Buck. Okay, so I like a fifty million budget, but like you know what I mean. Like it's one of those things. Like <laughs> I mean, it's just in, like a house <laughs> in a school and like outside, so you don't really need that much of a budget with it. The most crazy thing is Uncle Buck takes out a chainsaw at one point yeah. and doesn't do anything with it. So it's a very down. That was a poor example, but you know what I mean. You know what I'm getting at here. Uh, but it was just, it's just sad, like because it's a black historical figure, because it's a black creator, because it's based on you know you're just telling the story of a black person all of a sudden it's just like not as important to warner brothers and you know can and then knowing what like how much warner brothers gets called out by other you know actors and creators still nowadays i'm like not surprised you know spike kept on wanting to push this project to universal i mean it's the it was the bottom line back to them it was their hollywood going yo does anyone want to watch a story about this black guy like that's probably what they were thinking and yeah. obviously wrong considering and they were re- even realized it themselves where they're like oh this will make money shit all right here's more money <laughs> but yeah um yeah exactly one thing too I'd, I'd noticed uh looking up some like stuff about it was the original screenplay uh it was you know you were saying about like it was originally written by a white guy james baldwin uh apparently yeah. <laughs> I, I like had to read it twice because i was I, like it, it threw me off a bit but uh, James Baldwin's like an openly gay man, and he apparently was like writing uh, Malcolm X to have like some gay tendencies early on in the film, uh, in like the I guess like the early portions. And uh, once Spike Lee got it, he like cut it all out and was like, "Yeah, that's not in the book." <laughs> like, oh wow. Yeah, so I was like, "What? Wait, what?" 
<laughs> like, what are you, t- you trying to do what now? Um, but yeah, like, it, it was supposed to have, like, uh, alleged uh, homosexual encounters, it says, and stuff. So it's very interesting uh, that he said that. And it's like, you know, because Baldwin passed away uh, mm-hmm. before this even got to Malcolm, I mean, before it got to Spike Lee and stuff, because the dude passed away in, like, 1987, movie came out in 1992, which kind of yeah. also shows how long the pre-production for this movie was where it probably went through its own little like miniature development hell or just like it wasn't also that important to them so maybe it took longer in that sense too who knows um but i Mm -hmm. I found that very interesting uh i guess like getting into the movie itself like leaking as i was taking notes through it uh you know when you go through all the different phases of his life they almost kind of feel like completely separate lives because each phase has completely different people in it more or less yes yeah and yeah man like some crazy shit with that too like going from like his early beginnings to like becoming a hustler to like i don't know all that type of stuff it just it trips me out like the people he encountered and got involved with um the i don't know like the first one the first group of people that stood out like the most was uh um the west indian dude uh archie yeah archie that was his name yeah man that was uh originally uh they were looking at samuel jackson maybe to play that really that would just like uh you were seeing the autobiographer they were thinking of having him in the movie uh with eddie murphy as him oh that's right yeah that's right i read i remember reading that too so just interesting Um, tidbits there what other facts did you dig up so um uh facts about the movie itself so uh denzel washington this was i don't i don't want to say it was method acting but he wanted to get very much like he he put in a lot as much as spike lee i would say uh yeah he, there was spots like with denzel that when he was on set people there's people that knew malcolm x like personally like um i'm spacing out names of course but they were on set with them and they just like couldn't believe what they were looking at what they were hearing what they were witnessing they were just like this is denzel has embodied malcolm so much that he did it blew them away like they felt like they were talking to malcolm and not denzel yeah when they would have conversations and i think that's beautiful not only in an acting sense, but just like in a passion sense, you know, like for someone to resonate that strongly from a guy like Malcolm, that's beautiful. That's really what you needed for this film. Anything less wouldn't have made it as impactful. Yeah. He put in a lot of research. He also like straight up stopped eating pork for a while. Uh, yeah, go vegan. Fruit of his own courses. Became an expert in the jitterbug dance. And- Dude, that was a great dancing holy crap man like that was dope you can't fake that you know what i mean <laughs> and this is from a, a screenman article but it says like uh washington was so dialed in as malcolm x that he knew which pair of glasses the man would wear depending on the day oh wow! so that yeah that's like god they like i would say because you know we're in a weird place now where method acting kind of doesn't feel like it's necessary and it's kind of ridiculous aka jared leto and yeah things are rude you know 45 minute bathroom bakes let's go baby it's like he's not even crap all <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> it's so stupid but you know with this it's like oh it makes sense when you're trying to get into someone like this um maybe not everything was like i mean i i don't know if i would have stopped the pork it's like yeah okay that's a little 
over the top, I guess, more or less. But like in terms of everything else, it worked like very well. And I think Denzel Washington, like this is probably one of his greatest roles he's ever done easily. Um, so just powerful. It's like, you don't even realize you're watching Denzel. Yeah, like, you're like, that's, that's Malcolm X. You don't think about it at all. Mm. He's just that good of an actor uh, when it comes to these things. And him and like, there's a few other actors that are able to do that. Uh, Home Sites, who plays Sirius Black, and oh, Gary Oldman, Mank, Gary Oldman. Yeah, like when you watch a Gary Oldman film, like you forget you're watching Gary Oldman half the time, and you're just embodied. You're just not embodied. Uh, you're just like transfixed on that character. Uh, Denzel's one of those people. He's not like Tom Hanks, where like it's Tom Hanks in a situation. You know what I mean? Every movie is just Tom Hanks in this situation. It's the character. Like they're such good actors. Not to say Tom Hanks is a bad actor, but you know what I mean. Like, you know a Tom Hanks film. Yeah, he's Woody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Woody the Forest Gump. <laughs> Jedi. Yeah, exactly. And fucking Wilson. You know all the, all the fun stuff. Castaway. You know. So. But it's it's hard to like not realize. Like, you look at those Tom Hanks movies and you're like, man, it's Tom Hanks. There you go. It's gonna be a Tom Hanks movie. I know what to expect. But with, with these guys, you don't like. You're just holy crap, man. You're just brilliant you're just such a great actor to take on that role and completely become that character yeah it's also one of those things i guess when it comes to like tom hanks and stuff you know they're always like shown everywhere you're like oh it's tom hanks it's tom hanks like he's like shown in media and all this stuff so it's very much like well what about these other guys you never feel like you hear about and whatnot and they're kind of like hidden away for a while until finally they break out enough where now nothing can stop them like being shown yeah so yeah but uh, I guess going through, like, I have other uh, little facts and stuff, but I feel like they, they work well as we go through, like, the movie itself. Um, okay. the, the interesting thing was uh, the whole thing with his dad and his family growing up, where it's like, oh, our siblings were separated and everything else. And my dad, uh, he was like a minister, and he more or less kind of let them walk over him. Uh, he mean, he, you know, when they... Uh, burn down the house he like pulls out a gun and shoots it more or less at the air he doesn't really shoot at them to kill them and his wife's like yo you should have just shot them and i'm like in my i'm like also like dude just kill them like it's not gonna (laughs) they're gonna come back and he's like oh no they're they're they'll never come back again five minutes later dude's on a fucking train track like "Ah!" and you're like well we all learned our lesson didn't we so (laughs) And see, that's, like, such a sad thing, too. And, I mean, the whole point behind that was really just to showcase, like, you know, Malcolm's dad was a human being. Like, he didn't want to hurt another person. Like, he didn't want to... More or less a pacifist, kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he knew how to, like, scare, but he didn't want to, like, harm someone because that's just not who he was no matter what was going... I mean, they threw Molotov cocktails, like, through there. They're burning down their house, you know? And he's still like not trying to kill these people because he felt like it was wrong. And then these people come back and just fucking bash him over the head with a hammer and toss him over railroad tracks. Like, and it's just, it just shows how horrific like our nation is towards the black people. Like it just continued and continued. And you, you get that whole, you know, cause they had the whole trial scene about that case and how they were saying like, Oh, well it was self-induced. It was suicide. And then the wife is just like, you're going to tell me like, uh, my husband hit himself over the head with a hammer and then took himself to a railroad track and jumped over, a tr- and jumped in front of a train. That's suicide. 
Like, yeah, that's uh, it. All lines up, ma'am. You know, fucking. <laughs> it was like, uh, okay. And it's just so wrong. Like, it just it it continues to show how wrong people are and were. Um, and it's ah, uh, it's just disgusting. And it just makes you realize like why his mess. It just shows more of Malcolm's character. Yeah, it, it shows just his... what he was born into was all that. Mm-hmm. And then like you know everything's happening with his mother. So they all get kind of separated with the siblings and he goes to like a school where he's the only black kid and he's like, you know, I want to be a lawyer. And the teacher's like, oh, that's, a, you know, a carpenter, you know, use your hands. No one, wants, no one wants a black lawyer. And you're just like, OK, so he's not having any like one thing I note is every single interaction he has with someone white is always negative. There's always a negative yeah. interaction. There's never a good one. Uh, the only good one is his girlfriend who betty yeah and she like you know is also a criminal but i think he was a criminal first i'm not really sure like how that if he ringed her into it or not it was like a whole thing but i feel like they were just like i think i felt like he rung her into it a bit more like she was but she was up for it she was yeah up for she, that she was down she yeah. knew she, she yeah. knew what she signed up for yeah very exactly. much so yeah and besides her though every i guess more every male interaction was always bad it was just yeah. always someone going like, hey, we're going to fucking set your family's house on fire because we're in we're fucking KKK to I'm a, you know, I'm a fucked up teacher. Uh, there's the judge, the guys that arrest him, all that kind of stuff when he like does the theft and everything. But mm-hmm. you're watching all these different things of, yo, because of your skin color, you're going to deal with all this shit. And so he's being bred in hate more or less uh well i guess starting off he's more wanting to be white because he gets yeah, a girlfriend he does all that stuff does his hair like and that was like one of those things is that they may he even says when they do that thing with his hair and they pull it back to put you know brush his hair back there he was just like i look so white like it straight up says that like i i i, I looks white doesn't it you know like that's what they're trying to mimic um, just so they could kind of get somewhere in society by being as close to being white as possible to show that they're not like some dirty black person, which is, it's so sad that they had to like take that approach. And then that stuff they put in their hair like burns their scalp. And it's kind of one of those running things throughout the movie where every time it gets put on, and it's kind of funny when they get busted because he has his, that cream stuff in his hair to straighten it out. And then he has to go to the toilet water because their water had been shut off. Huh. But that was their, their whole thing. They're just trying to be white to fit in, in a sense. Yeah. And you kind of see, like, the whole thing of, like, you know, when you're in poverty and you're going through all this, you're also getting hooked on drugs as well. Mm-hmm. And they're going through all that stuff. I think, was it meth, I want to say? Or was it? Well, they were doing coke were doing with coke uh, um, Archie. That's, that's that's really what they showed was coke okay just being done yeah. so you know they... and you know that was a big controversial thing when um, malcolm was talking to people uh to get information about the film and a lot of a lot of people were like don't show you know means... malcolm hating white people don't show malcolm being you know on drugs like we don't want to portray that image of malcolm we don't want to have that out there and people like think or know that malcolm was this type of person and spike lee knew that that was a vital part of Malcolm's life that he had to do that. Yeah. 
that like as much as people didn't want to see the drug use and give that impersonation of Malcolm and kind of make him seem more holy than he was, he wasn't. He was flawed. He went through shit and he grew from it. And that's the whole point. That's a growing part in his life. And that's why his sobriety is so important and cut you changing his diet for the Islam thing. Like that was a vital part is knowing how into like drugs he was and part of the culture that he was brought up into. Definitely. And, you know, we get through all of the criminal stuff and the zoot life and everything else, which, you know, he had the full waltz yeah, and everything else. And I was just like, I, I was that. trying to flash back. I'm like, damn, people fucking did that. Like, they're just like, yeah, <laughs> seeing Spike Lee with him, like him and Spike just like doing the walk, like down the street, like together. I don't know. Spike is... I don't know if you noticed, but, you know, in Mobetta Blues, Spike Lee plays giant. In this one, he plays shorty. Oh, wow. That's funny as hell. Right? That's true. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's super cool. Yeah. So that was that was pretty funny. And, you know, his role in this is a lot smaller because he just plays a character who is just in a phase of Malcolm's life. He's not an integral uh, piece, though. He is, you know, like his oldest friend, it seems like uh, yeah. the one that knew like him before all the crazy, not the crazy, but like before he became like what he was Malcolm. and you know, you get to prison and, oh, actually, you know, the court, that was the funny thing with the court where they're like two years female penitentiary for the two white women, for the black men, eight to 10 years. And he says it like multiple times. And it's funny. That was actually funny because, you know, yeah. it's like Shorty thought he meant like a hundred years. So he faints. Mm -hmm. And you're just yeah. like, he didn't get that. That's just concurrently. Like he didn't know what the word concurrently. Meant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's just 10 years, dude. Don't worry. It's, it's okay. Um, that was that was that was good. That was pretty. there's like little little there's itty bits of humor that you can find. One was like there, mm -hmm. the other is actually ironically enough before his death, when that woman's like, "Yo, pay them no mind. I know who you are. Jesus will protect you." And he's just yeah. like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's yeah, so fucking exactly. funny. So like there there's, there's just funny little tidbits of humor there. Uh, the prison though, you know, you get there and. I took a couple notes on this because it was like, okay, he doesn't even actually do anything in the prison. Like where he starts off, he starts off in solitude. It's just like, hey, yeah. this guy's new. He doesn't do the fucking uh, prisoner number and stuff. And he's like, I forgot. And they're like, oh, well, you're going to the box. And he's in there for Beat the shit out of him and toss him in the box. <laughs> yeah. Like for not knowing his number. And, you know, they come back to him and they're like, yo, we'll wait another 10 days. Then you're just like, yo, he was in there for a long time enough time where you know it's dark you have nothing to do you're talking to yourself you probably can't even see where you're shitting like you're gonna go fucking crazy that's a, that's a form of it, that is a form of torture like yeah. I, I would oh, yeah. very much say that and it, it takes its toll and it's the perfect reconditioning tool where it gives him time for reflection and it just like it's it's like his rock bottom morally this is his like uh when i said you know there's like weird fixed points that kind of determine his life the first was just being born into all this shit that was going on and then yeah. the second was this where his time in solitude makes it so he's much more you know he's kind of like a blank slate now you you took all that time and this dude has lot like psychologically probably damaged from being in there and along comes uh minister bane 
though I guess at the time it was just Brother Bane. And he's like, hey, you know, I could, here's uh, a little fix. And then after, you know, you can get your life together and I'm going to help you out and I'm going to teach you everything. And, you know, he's very much open because he's like, well, I'm going to be in here for 10 years. Everyone I know is either in prison or wants to kill me that's out of prison, like West Indy, uh, Archie and stuff. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of like, you know, what have I got to lose? Like, I've literally got nothing left. There, there's nothing going on at this point and it's funny too because the man the man was educated as a kid he was just you know white dude threw him down and was like you know it's not gonna amount to anything for you to give up and then caused the yeah. whole life he went into because he didn't even try to be a lawyer or anything and we get to this point where he's being indoctrinated i would say indoctrinated into uh the nation of islam and learning just Islam in itself, well, or a, a special version of Islam, I guess you would say, because it's very yeah. skewed, because it's like, oh, it's like black Islam, and then it's like kind of different than the regular version, just because they're like, yo, don't associate with whites, don't do all this, and you're like, oh, shit, okay. Like, it's very, very, very uh, tight-knit, and you feel like it's very specific uh, when they're talking through it, uh, but you, you go through everything from the dictionary where it's like, yo, you use the white man's dictionary against him and make your own version and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it was just an, a very interesting way they did it. And he got so into it, you know, he started sending letters to everybody, even like the governor and the president. Like he was yeah. throwing it everywhere. And they're like, oh shit, we got like a guy who's fully faithful. We can definitely utilize this. And they do. And... I think the interesting thing here was when you get to this point where it has like Brother Bane and Elijah Muhammad, I can't tell. Like it feels in the beginning, of course, they care about him a lot. But yeah, as you get through it and he starts getting fame, you do kind of feel like he was just also being used as well. Well, you know, the whole thing about that whole islam aspect with elijah muhammad um though i you know and i you know realized watching it i was like man they had they were right about you know what what malcolm was saying was true you know what malcolm was saying was the honest brutal truth about how they're being treated and how white people think of them and what you know black people are going through like all of that was totally i i felt it like i, I could totally see that 100 percent what what like ruins it all is that the at the by always being like you know the honorable elijah muhammad has taught us or has said like you start to sound like like a cult <laughs> like, yeah that's the thing about it and that's what like really like would turn me off about that and i mean of course it's a film it's history all that type of stuff but like that would turn me off even if it was a strong message from anyone you know like when you're worshiping somebody that I, I don't believe in stuff like that. Like, I don't think we need to worship a singular person and stuff like that. Like that, that does nothing for me. Um, but when you're, you know, when you're speaking truth, yes, like sp spread your message. But when you're just like, all of a sudden it turns into like a cultish standpoint where it's like, I wouldn't listen to you if I was walking down the street at a church and you're trying to like, you know, tangle me into your group that just feels like a wrong approach and a wrong way to do it. And it's cool that you were an enlightened, but like, it just seems it's like a, a pyramid scheme person. You know what I mean? Like I ain't falling for that shit. Like that's all it felt like was a pyramid scheme of some sort, like that pitch. Um, 
And I think that's just what really like held, you know, his him back. And that's why like towards the end of Malcolm's life, when he disassociated himself with that and really changed his outlook on how to work with people and how to communicate and how to like get activists of all types involved. And it makes you kind of sad when that like white girl walks up to him and she's like, you know, I'm a white person. I'm not like all these, you know, what you you know preach against like I'm, I'm a good person like i do believe in everything you're saying how can i help you and he's like don't <laughs> he's like yeah, there's nothing you can do to help you know and he just brushes her aside like it's just it's so wrong um it's not until he opens his eyes and he realizes what he needs to do differently that his message really starts to have power and really starts to like you know connect with you know thousands of people millions of people and if he would have had that mindset from the start instead of like having, I think Elijah Muhammad did great things for Malcolm X in the sense of like giving a, a platform and encouraging him and giving him a certain type of mindset, but it just turned so cultish and it was brought up in the film too. Like when uh, Malcolm's wife was saying like, Hey, all we have is the clothes on our backs and we barely even have a functioning car, but look at them. They have like mansions, they have vehicles, like how is that fair kind of like you... scientology yeah Ooh. you know what i mean <laughs> like it's all it's very very like cultish and just like gross and i don't know i think i just think it could have been so much different if he hadn't if he had that message and that understanding and that mindset but not been part of like a cult mentality at that point yeah i mean that's that's why i say like you know you have the 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 time of the prison uh, especially in solitude was the second like life-altering thing the third and final one was mecca when he went there and he saw mm -hmm. everyone together it didn't matter what they were all they mattered was they believed in allah and he's like oh shit and it's also like these aren't americans they're just people from yeah. around the world and he's like yeah oh shit we suck yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like <laughs> oh know? we just suck yeah <laughs> yeah and it's it's gross and that's just the way america is and even to this day it's just disgusting on how we have to differentiate so much racism in our country you know um and it, it's crazy that like it dives so deep and we have so many things um this is just like a random rant but like you know as a writer i always hear other writers say like oh i don't want to be too like generic or you know i don't want to be um um, uh, I can't think of the the word, but like I don't want like this story's been told a thousand times. Like, why should I tell a story? It's like you have to tell it in your voice and everything. And people don't learn lessons. That's why we hear the same stories over and over because people don't learn lessons. And when it comes down to racism, for like the new season of Young Justice Phantoms to have like six episodes all based on racism and kind of put in your face with like the Martian race and everything, it just shows how deep this topic goes and how like much we need to spread how ignorant we are about racism and how kind of racist we are as a country and it doesn't matter who you are or what your family believes or thinks but like you shouldn't be like that and that that's that's the point of this whole thing is just like fighting against this disgusting mentality this country has and going to other countries and getting your eyes opened and being like holy crap no one else is really like this like it's really us people work together and worship together and create and do all this stuff without even blinking an eye they just realize it's another human being that's all we're trying to be as human beings um and 
I mean, it even goes back to him asking, you know, saying that he's going to go in front of uh, and ask for uh, reparations for black people for the 400 years. And to me, that makes sense because, you know what, like if somebody committed a crime 20, 30 years ago and then we find out, we would take them to court and, you know, throw the book at them and do all that shit. Like we would still charge them for that crime. Um, and it doesn't matter. Like it's happened to Nazis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they were discovered they were a Nazi and then they take them to court and they have to face the charges for what they did. And like, why don't we do that as a nation? Like we committed a crime and no one's ever been held accountable for it. And no one's ever gotten anything to like help them. Um, the beginning of the speech or the beginning of the movie with that speech saying like, we're not all American. Like we were brought to America. We weren't given an option to say, help, Hey, help us build this country. We were forced to help them build this country and putting in all that in perspective, you realize like, that's why Malcolm was so right about so many things. It was just, just a bad approach, I guess. In that sense, in the beginning. Yeah. It's like, you do see like, in the beginning, the end, in the beginning. like once he leaves the nation of Islam, you do see him change where yeah. he does line up and he's like, yo, I could even work with like other, uh, maybe more non-lethal or non um, non-violent groups and stuff that didn't mm -hmm. believe they were fully pet, uh, pacifist like MLK and stuff. Um, but yeah, he he just does all these different things, all these changes. And one thing too, I, I guess one key part I, I did want to go back to was uh, I believe uh, Minister Bain. I don't believe it was a real yeah. person. Uh, he was actually kind of replacing multiple people that I guess yeah. were uh, big on Malcolm X. Like it was like three people, including his half sister, where apparently uh, some of his siblings were actually integral to his life. And those were uh, the siblings weren't in the, the movie. So that, I guess that's one thing where you're kind of like, OK, so it's not fully accurate because, you know, you have a fake character. that's not actually real uh, because they had to fold a couple people into one. And also, you know, you don't have the siblings there that aren't, they're just kids in the very beginning that don't do anything. And then they're just mm -hmm. gone. Uh, whereas apparently like two or three of them actually were an important part of his life. Maybe more. I'm not too sure. And that makes sense for like a cinematic aspect too. You know what I mean? When you're looking to make a film, like yeah. you can't, you can't really capture that essence if it was multiple people, but like having a singular character, be that you know it gives more focus um, that rod yeah it gives it more focus and it's easier for the audience to digest and understand yeah you know? and we do see that in other aspects of all like that's a thing movies commonly do that is just a common thing in film uh yeah. that you'll see in everything even jurassic park the book and the movie there's characters there that are probably two three different people uh oh. that i've noticed like the lawyer when you look at him you're just like oh that's actually like two guys um so it, that's, oh, that's just cool. uh, a repeating case that uh, always happens but even you know it's just it's i guess it's extra interesting because even in here where they're like oh this is an autobiography uh, and they yeah. do that i think that was a little interesting thing that they do where you know it works in the sense of maintaining focus for that phase of his life but it does slightly deteriorate the whole like truth of the story and stuff not too much because it's just the slight alteration without really changing too much. But, you know, like I said, it's just it's like the, the difference between really you have to really process the difference between like a documentary and a cinematic. Yeah. If you still have a documentary, you'd literally be like, that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it yeah exactly, be, but you, you, know? you have that feeling. You're just kind of like the, the whole it's not a mockumentary. It's a documentary. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's a good that's a good point out. I didn't um I forgot about that fact. I didn't realize it was that many people either rolled into one. And uh also kind of going through the movie still like when he is still with the Nation of Islam and they're like, "Oh, one of the brothers was beaten up by the cops and he was taken to prison and there was no explanation really." Uh he gets everyone together and he just waltzes into the police station like get the fuck out and he's like no such a powerful moment such a powerful moment. look out the window and you're just like oh shit because you have to keep in mind too at this point with civil rights like you have people that are just you know the whole thing of hoses and dogs and they're just peaceful protests and they're you know getting the shit kicked out of them just for standing there and sitting there and holding a sign and maybe yep. singing talking all that stuff chanting who knows and the it, lo- it looks like you know police and everything else are used to that and then they come to malcolm x and it's like yo we bite back uh look out the window yeah. we'll fucking beat the shit out of you and you're like oh fuck and they're like the cops are literally like yeah give us a second uh here you can go see him and then he sees him and he's like the fuck he's dying like go get him an ambulance and you see like the march the march he does where they leave the police precinct and they go to the hospital and he just like they're just so well dis it's crazy how disciplined they are where they just like move and then march and it just attracts it's kind of like that weird it, it is a sheep mentality i won't lie it is a sheep mentality where uh you know you see something or you see people in line you're like well what are you all in line for and you know it could be aligned to nothing and people will just get in the fucking line because they're curious yeah. and stuff and they just want to follow and you see just not nation of islam black people just there and they see what's kind of kind of going on and they just join and you get to the hospital and you have all of them just like screaming shouting being like yo you know uh more or less i'm pretty sure they know what was going on but you have all of them in the back and then there's like two rows of the nation of islam brothers there and they're just fully still just like yo and uh you have Denzel, I mean, you have Malcolm X there and stuff. And the music that accompanies that march is so... Yeah, so good. It's the only music that I can remember from the movie. Like, the the, the music in this film is very subtle. It's not that... Like, it's, it's not really meant to be heard, it feels like. It's mm-hmm. just kind of, like, there to not... It, to, to make sure there's not complete silence at certain points. It, yeah. Where that happens. And... For this music, it's just like you feel the trumpets, the horns that are playing, and it's like full on like it feels like noble and military, militaristic and stuff. And it just sounds so interesting because it's just like, oh, shit. And then you see the police captain there, which I cracked up when I saw the police captain because I saw him and I'm like, wait, the fuck? I know who that is. And it was um, I wrote it down. It's um, uh, Peter Boyle. Uh, that oh, really? is the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny as hell. But you know, he's they they check in the the black doctor comes out, uh, and he's like, because you could tell like, hey, we want our people working on this and stuff, and he comes out and he's like, hey, he'll be okay. Like he, we we stabilized him, he'll be fine. Uh, you're good. And you know, the captain's like, so can y'all like leave now, please? And <laughs> Because they can't even do anything. There's more of them than there are cops. The cops are vastly outnumbered. And he's like, so can you all leave? And, you know, he literally just does like a motion with his hands and just goes like, boom. And they march off. They march off when they're marching off 
just the regular people that just gathered because they saw a bunch of dudes walking are like, oh, oh okay, just start, <laughs> just fucking yeah. start walking away, just like kind of confused looking, and you're just like, the fuck just happened? Yeah. Uh, and it's funny too because I I remember this was, I want to say one of the only quotes. There's like two or three things I remembered from high school that was like uttered in the film, and one was from uh, the police captain, and he's like that's too much power for one man to have. Yeah. He says that very yeah. neutrally, just like a man. And you're just like, Oh shit. You don't even think about that. Cause he's like just the spokesperson for nature, uh, the nation of Islam. He's not like, uh, someone, he's just so charismatic. He's able to do like all these, uh, leading moments with like getting people involved, getting more, uh, recruitment. But once he gets to the press, it's like, Oh shit, this dude is now the face more or less uh, until he leaves and then it's like oh yeah elijah muhammad and then all the other shit that goes down and then like they s completely just you know separate and everything else but it's crazy how that goes on and then uh you know you get to you know he said we you know he gets to mecca and all that change all the stuff changes there and everything else but um, and the cool part about that is that they went to egypt to shoot that like spike was adamant about like no we need to go here to shoot these scenes well, like we're not going to do some green screen or just go to some desert like we need to make this as accurate as possible and they that was part of the budgetary issues that they're having yeah yeah because the whole thing with that there, there's something big with this i will say like uh they shoot in egypt and they shoot in saudi arabia uh they shoot in egypt to show the pyramids because the whole thing i felt a reason that malcolm goes to egypt is like hey the whole thing he's preaching before is before we were here we were in africa we were kings we were we were mm -hmm. kings before they even they were still cavemen and we were kings yeah. and he's talking about that things whole like, part like we were here before jesus christ we were here before there was religion we were here before you know there was concepts of any of these we things. were the first like man on earth yeah and yeah. he's like before america was a nation we were already around like i love that part and he, you know he gets the what's the symbolic feeling of egypt and the whole thing is okay he wanted to see the pyramids and the pyramids are oh look it is the accomplishment of having you know black pharaohs black kings and stuff and all that stuff which ironically enough then is like oh you know as me as a jewish person was like y'all y'all fucking enslaved my people for like over two thousand years like what the fuck fuck you guys <laughs> like you guys yeah that's worse yeah. that was the worst thing like you piece of shit <laughs> Y'all are going to get fucked by God, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Wait, ready for the plagues? So, you know. Yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So there, there was that kind of like, I felt some irony in that scene where I'm just like. I, I was thinking that same thing, that same concept of just like, in a certain aspect, they're like, yeah, but there was still a lot of slavery, but just in a different. Yeah, y'all didn't build shit. You just watched everyone build the shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, there was that. Um, and then. There's Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia. And this was the very first filming of Mecca, like of the uh, Sacred Rock and everything else, where oh, wow. it, there, no other film had ever done that. It ever got to go and film there in that specific area. And to the point where Spike Lee wasn't allowed there. Um, only certain people, I don't really know, I couldn't find the details, but I'm assuming if it's a holy site like that, I'm betting they had to specifically get Muslim crew members to go and do it and then they allowed denzel washington to be there because he was the star I guess so, that, so sense. that was a really big thing what i cracked up about was the studio was like just film it in new jersey 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is the worst dude. thing I've ever heard where it's like, yo, we need to film in the holy city of Mecca at the like the holiest site for Muslims. And it's like, I just got a Jaisi. And it's like, what? What are you? What? It's not yes, even the exactly. same. What the fuck is know, wrong? so sad. What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, that, that was Warner Brothers, dude. That was the big dispute between them. They just did not get like why this movie was important. And they just did not get like the significance and what this meant to so many people. Um, and it, it like the film almost suffered from it, but Spike Lee's so goddamn good that he fought so hard and had the right resources and had such a vision and knew that he was doing something not only for himself, but in service of like black people across the world to see this film. Um, you couldn't cut corners. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't take no for an answer. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't just bend to the wills. Like that's why he put his money into it. That's why he asked for help. That's why he didn't let anything stop him. And he created this three and a half hour epic of a man's life. That's just so important. That just gets so overlooked, you know, um, Malcolm's contributions to everything and his mindsets and his speeches are fucking awesome. Like, I would encourage anyone to go out there and listen to Malcolm's speeches and listen to what he has to say because there's so much truth behind it. And it's truth that you don't really consider and think about and it really puts you in another perspective in someone else's shoes. Um, I mean, that's what the whole point of this movie was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, afterwards is the assassination. And I run, you know who we get to see? <laughs> Hey. home size yeah, yeah Giancarlo uh, Esposito I'm like oh hey yeah, he's back I was waiting he's for like, him to pop up too he's like hi guys and they're like oh fuck yeah. he just killed Malcolm X god damn it gets taken down and everything and that's just like one of those things where that that scene itself took so much when you watch how it's shot like it takes a lot of effort to shoot it in the way he did yeah. and have the cameras positioned to get those angles and for to get the reactions they did at that point um there has to be like four to six cameras on that shot. Uh, it's beautiful and it's just knocked out so well. And it was almost like an in danger shot because of their budget. Um, but God damn, it was good. Just the layout. And I mean, they had that, that assassination. So planned for that guy to pop up, you know, we saw him earlier in the movie saying, get your hand on my pocket. Yeah. So when you hear that again, and then you see the smoke go off, Malcolm also did not have armed guards in front of him during that time either he chose not um, to even though they advised to. him to do it and he, you literally see him when he's even in the hotel room before it's like a day before if not two days before multiple days he knew he, knew he was gonna die like, yeah he knew that was it like and that's why like you know when everyone's attention is at that smoke that was the perfect opportunity because everyone's looking that way they're gonna be right there forward with their guns yeah and it is just brutal like what they did to that man like it's horrific and it sucks i would have loved all of us would have loved to see how much more he could have accomplished dude ma- yeah it, it's it's one of those things where it's like him and lk you're just like oh we probably would have prospered a lot more if these two guys weren't fucking assassinated yeah. and it, the you assassinations know, are very different 39 yeah whereas you know yeah. mlk was killed by a white guy and it's just white guys were like oh this dude is so powerful he doesn't even need violence to like move mountains and with malcolm x it's like he had unfortunately made enemies with the nation of islam and i believe historically it's alleged that it was them but they never prove it or they never yeah they never prove it prove it yeah i don't know why i'm having trouble with that uh yeah they never prove it and so it's still like 
it's implied that it's them that does it. And it makes sense yeah. considering all things. Uh, the order of events and everything. Yeah, it and totally they're, you know, sense. calling hypocrite, and... your days are numbered, all this shit, all the yeah. psychological attacks on the phone. They do all this stuff and you're just like, God damn, like, Jesus Christ, they, they're that, like, I guess, I don't know what happens when you leave Scientology. <laughs> like, shit. Yeah, dude, yeah. And I mean, imagine having your name in a phone book where it's accessible. Like, that oh, yes. was fucking I mean, yeah, the fucking, too. you do that, and next thing you know, there's a guy hunting down John Connors and shit, and you're just like, fuck, yeah. like, he's yeah. Terminator 2 shit right dude. there. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. But I will say, too, <laughs> just sorry, on a lighter tone, with uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character, I saw a meme within it where I don't know if you've seen the memes where it has him smiling and then like the the background darkens and it's like the angry face and it's like from Far Cry 6 where it's like the ads oh, wow. for it. And it's no, like, uh, you before this and you after this and it's like happy and then it's like angry and oh, you're just wow. like, oh shit. And that is actually a meme of him. And then you oh, watch wow. Malcolm X where he's like, oh, here's your stuffed animal, little sister. Mm-hmm. And he's full smile immediately when they turn around. He goes like, and you're just like yeah, I literally the I'm sorry the first thing in my head was he did it again he that was the first time he did it holy shit he did the that's meme. cool so that's super cool he has such a for just like he's in there for two minutes and in those two minutes he just the acting chops of John Giancarlo Esposito is just insanely good how yeah. how good of an actor he is like and I love seeing him pop up in these Spike Lee movies like what a perfect he's just another one of those guys that's just like you would be with this awesome crew of people coming up during this era like it's just so much respect for that and I love how like they bring back those repeat actors oh yeah they vibe that well with creators and shout out but to man. Angela Bassett she plays you know Malcolm's wife uh she was yeah. really good oh yeah she was very yeah. good oh yeah because she you know, she very well portrays a woman that is like stressed the fuck out of getting calls and watching her husband die and just does such a good job. It's it's ridiculously good. Like she you mm-hmm. see like when he's dying and one dude's trying to give him math to math, she just fucking throws that guy out of the way. And it's just like, oh, God, fuck. And you're just like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. And one thing one thing I did note uh, that I noticed when all that shit's going down uh, is when he's you know they show the footage of him being rushed out of the hot rushed out of there to the hospital like it's pretty much like he's on the gurney and you see his guys there and the ambulance guys there like running it you literally there is a white cop also helping running it and cops trying to push guys back and you're just like i was trying to comprehend what was going on there of like, why are the cops there doing that? Like, I'm like, because wouldn't it be beneficial, I guess, to whoever, you know, there's like the FBI or whatever white dudes that have been like tracking and putting bugs everywhere and everything else. And they're just like, you know, I think at one point it says like, um, MLK makes this guy look like a monk or something at one point. Yeah, yeah. And the feeling I thought was of one of, is it just them doing their job? Maybe do a couple of them actually like believe not the angry nation of Islam version of him, but the, Hey, not everyone's bad version of him where it's like, we can actually get along or yeah. was it, yo, I'm fucking scared. These dudes, if this dude just got shot, everyone's going to fucking, <laughs> we're going to die. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just so funny watching that happen. Cause I don't, it was just going through my mind. Cause you know, in the same era, there's dudes, just cops shoot like, 
hosing and throwing dogs on protesters and these guys are literally helping him get to the fucking ambulance and it's just i don't know why yeah. that thought went into my head but it was just interesting to notice i guess if that makes sense you know it's just it's also so sad that like you know there's bugs and there's being tracks and i don't know how much of that is actual evidence and how much they've has come out to prove that they knew what was going on yeah but the fact that like even if they're remotely aware and they just sat back and idly let this shit happen it's fucking stupid like it's just it just shows how shitty our country is again you and it's, know like you could tell how beneficial it would be to like whoever was in charge of it whether it was fbi or something where you know yeah. oh hey they're doing the job for us we don't have to do anything and it looks like black on black crime yeah. like how how like yep. i guess good is that for them how much they benefit from that where they're like our hands are clean we don't we didn't have to do yeah. anything even though you know to quote just, uh just, just like gordon levitt watch... in dark Knight rises i don't know your hands look pretty dirty to me <laughs> like uh do the right thing it's just it's a big part of that message where the final scene of it when they the the riot starts there's a whole reasoning behind that and then they try to push it off just being like well these people are out of control and animals and all this it's like no it's it, there's a reason and point to it um i don't know it just it's one of those things you just you realize how right malcolm was yeah he was fucking he's he's like spot on on so much shit especially like yeah. just the the late version of him is the pinnacle version of him yeah. and it is the most enlightened because it's that one of those things it's like where it's like yo how can you say something about the world if you haven't seen the world and then you see the world yeah and you're like oh my god i get it now like you you come back and you're just like completely changed and that's the whole thing it's like that's another thing with the country a lot of people don't travel around and see other things and they're just they believe what they're told by whoever mm -hmm. on news or whatever the shit and you're just like Everyone just hates each other because they don't know each other. That's that's yeah. It's a constant. It. They're just scared, reoccurring thing you know? with the country where our current state is now, and it's like that's yep. the whole thing where it feels more tribalistic, more and more each day, uh, and very mm -hmm. partisan and shit. Uh, just because people don't understand, or just some people are just fucking greedy. There's some of those I will say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, this movie does show a lot, and I will say, it, it shows Malcolm X as a person, uh, or Malcolm Malcolm X, Malcolm Little. Uh, is a guy who is able to change his own fate and go th he endures a lot from birth to just being uh already thrown to the side as a kid to a criminal uh to all this other shit to someone who's you know stuck on drugs and everything else and manages to go all the way from that to a man who's like the like poster child of and like pretty much like main head uh, main face of an organization to then heading his own movement on his own not based on a religion or a like falsified prophet type dude where it's yeah. like i i just am standing on what i believe in and you can choose to follow me and it yeah. works so and spike lee totally nailed it yeah you know like he he was able to capture that and make it timeless you know like he was able to like if someone wanted to learn history and learn about this man this is a great start you know um and it's just going to lead you down a rabbit hole to learn more about his speeches learn more about that autobiography learn more about the making and the struggle of this film and why that was such a struggle it uh and why it hasn't changed in this country and you just really want to ask that giant question like why is it never changed um i mean overall this is probably one of the most political and educational films of 
our history in America that we're ever going to cover probably and probably like it's uh, deepest and most disappointing in that sense too like not in the film itself of just like how we haven't changed as a country um and you know what you know a key part of it that stood out is that when they're talking about uh, baseball and everything and home slice got put into the major leagues and he's like you know oh, yeah one one black guy getting put in the major leagues and we're all happy and it's all fair he's like but what about all the other ones that deserve to be in there he's like does that, that erase 400 years and you're just like oh fuck. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like we get one small victory it doesn't mean we've won much of anything they just kind of threw us a bone at this point and it's true that's all it's all this nation ever does um but dude i don't know this was a good movie i'm glad we got to cover it it was long it was uh but it was a long a long film but with a purpose and yeah. that's what you need you know it was filled with so many key scenes and information that it couldn't be any shorter to really signify and i do i do want to piggyback off that and say like you know this is a just as a historical standpoint this is actually i would say an integral film for mm -hmm. kids to learn in high school like you know, I'm not yeah. really that a lot of times when I see a teacher just showing a movie in high school, I'm always like, OK, they're just trying to they don't give a fuck. And it's like they have yeah. me in French class. Uh, yeah. And that's why I lost all the French I learned. Thanks a lot, guys. But uh, something like this would really work in a high school because it's like, you know, I wouldn't I would never show this or something like this or talk about this in middle school and elementary school because they wouldn't get it. They're, they, they haven't developed enough uh, in their brains yet to really fathom like what the hell you're talking about and that kind of thing. Yeah. You have to start much smaller at those ages. But in high school. That's something that you could really show to get them to understand like what was going on back then and what a person can do. And then uh, I would also show that specifically for college and film history because yeah. one, you get that film again and everything it stands for in the film, but also of, hey, even outside, how hard was it to make this film and all the things that I had to go to because of the topic mm -hmm. and because of you know, everything's black. That who was making exactly. it. Exactly. Yep, exactly. So yep. it would work with film history as well. It kind of doubles up there. So high school and college, this film fits in perfectly to utilize yeah. very much so. It is, it's so much, so much to take in with it, you know, for sure. But damn, um, I don't know what we're going to do next. We're going to schedule some stuff out, but uh, it's May. What was on our schedule for May? So, oh, what was like our May thing? Yeah. Uh, I have to, was that our i have to i have to double check it i have to double check because we'll probably continue our may month if anything and then pick up these like missing months we'll see uh here and there um we have to we definitely we'll, have to figure it out because i know the the hard part is because um you know well hang on, let me let me let me look this up for a second but i i do know like you know february we were gonna do bond um but mm -hmm. there's books for that which uh i guess that would be the uh, most time invested month for sure. Uh, otherwise, March I believe was Miyazaki, and we were That's doing right, yeah. uh, well. Just for February, we were doing Goldfinger, you know everyone's favorite mm -hmm. uh, Connery movie, and uh, Thunderball, which is fun underwater fun stuff. And then uh, we had uh, My Neighbor Totoro and Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, for March, April was more Bakshi with Wizards and Lord of the Rings. And then May, oh my God, May. So May, it's like we could do now, but I'm just like, oh my God, I, I kind of want to save it because May is my favorite. I just lo looking at it now, I see you're looking at it too. May is my favorite month yeah. uh, this year because yeah. it is my cowboy samurai idea where we got Yojimbo and a fistful of dollars, which fistful of dollars is influenced by Yojimbo. And it's just like, okay, we got Ikura Kurosawa and Sergio Leone. 
and it was it's one of those things where i'm like oh my god every year we need to do like cowboy western until like we're done with like bond movies and then i'll be like no we need a whole month of western and a whole month of fucking samurai and shit or kira kurosawa yeah. stuff so well uh, we might pick that up next week we'll see what's up but we're gonna try to get some weekly episodes out as often as possible yeah. to catch up to the schedule and see what's up um i don't know about that reading I'll, I'll get to that you know some thick bond books but yeah i'm excited for those too um but yeah stay tuned this show's back and we'll be rolling through a lot of movies in the next couple months yeah and then you know back to normal once we're once we're all caught up then it'll be back to just you know every other week and yeah. we'll get through it all but uh yeah we've got a got a lot and <laughs> multiple guests uh for multiple yeah. months so we'll yeah. have a lot there for sure too it's gonna a be a lot of good time. stuff yeah. it's gonna be uh i'm really excited for all these movies i haven't really watched movies i've been watching a lot of tv shows the last couple months um packing is way easier to watching watch a lot of show. anime i've been really nice watching a lot of anime <laughs> i'll get on that boat one day so this will be great this will be some nice sit down and absorption time i miss just watching a movie for once you know definitely like last night was a lot of fun they're just but, taking uh, notes on the movie too i'm just like oh right i gotta yeah. like pay extra attention i'm just like right yeah, 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 behind yeah the yeah. scenes stuff and getting inspired again um i miss it i miss it a whole lot so i'm glad we're back i'm glad we're doing this um but damn camera yeah uh but otherwise oh, uh brandon where could people find you uh, check out Apollo City Comics on all podcast platforms. Uh, Apollo is back as well. We have, uh, in fact, the last week, um, uh, we just released an episode that you were on where we talked about the over and under Batman actors in movies oh where God, we really that, decide that uh, what's overrated enough. For. It's such a fun episode. <laughs> uh, go check it out, everyone, where we talk about the film um, actors and movies. Um, and then we have some Paul Pope stuff coming out. We have some great interviews coming out. Um, check out the uh, Across the Bifrost where I was a guest on and then we might try to get him on Sutro Side Talk and everything to talk about Multiverse of Madness. A lot of cool content, lots of that content, but you know, check out our Instagram and our you know YouTube and all that. Yeah, awesome. Uh, as for us, you know, this is on the Sutro Side Talk channel, so uh, we still got that every week and I just put out a May preview on Instagram of kind of what we're doing and you know you guys could check out the last episode I guess the last two episodes we did an anime one uh, my friend Momo was on and we talked about uh, Attack on Titan Yashihime my dress up darling and uh, this should be out after episode 148 which we're talking about Robert Eggers the Northman and the unbearable weight of massive talent aka Nick Cage playing Nick Cage actually uh, next week, yeah, Brandon potential will be on uh, along with them. I'm going to talk to uh, the Bifrost guy there. And we're going to do uh, Doctor Strange and Moon Knight. Week after is Horizon uh, Forbidden West. And then uh, we're ending the month with uh, that Halo TV show and all of its pain that it's been causing me. Uh, and some Halo multiplayer, too. So all, all good stuff. Cut of Steel is also coming back. Uh, with uh, We were like kind of gone last month, but I'm... St- Currently, now that I've finished a thing that kind of has been holding me back from doing more podcast stuff, we'll be doing the uh, Where Are They Now uh, episode episodes, depending on how long it's going to be, of kind of looking at every single movie ever announced since Man of Steel and whatever happened Mm -hmm. to it. So that's going to be really fun. I still have to go through the full research of that, but that should be this month for sure. And uh, up to it, down to it, we will have an episode potentially soon uh, this month uh, where uh, it's going to be about uh, surgeries, hospital stuff and whatnot, uh, just stories and experiences just because I had my surgery recently too. So that's right. it brought that topic in. I was like, oh, we got to talk about that. So it'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, that, it's all our stuff. And, uh, you know, 
follow us on all platforms or uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, come back on TikTok, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, until potentially next week, uh, we will see you later. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for being here so long.